Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Blaze Bailey. Oh, what a funny episode. <laughs> what a incredible. funny episode. Oh. Absolutely incredible. Never have the words larger than life been so apt. It was just started non-stop. I mean, this for anybody who wants to go and watch the the visual to this, it's available on YouTube. You can go to www.thosedamncrows.com. You can see all the visual episodes via there. Um, but if you want to watch this visually, it's on it's on YouTube. It's episode forty nine, um, and just from start to finish, Shane, he was he was just theatrical. He was he was just rampant, wasn't he? He was brilliant, rampant in a good way, like you know, energetic. 100%. What a character. You'd start off a conversation and that's it. He would talk about it for at least 25 minutes. I think we asked him three questions all night because he was just one thing after another. Steamrolled onto the next subject. Incredible passion, incredible character. Um, just loves it, doesn't he? It's, it's, he just loves music. Yeah, I mean, we've had some funny guests on Crowcast now. We're, we're edging towards episode 50. Um He's got to be up there. He, his stories were just outstanding. I mean, when you think of his career, um, there's no spoilers, but you only got to go on Wikipedia to see his career. It's phenomenal. And obviously to front Diane Maiden, but some of the stories are brilliant. And to see that passion is still there, especially when it comes down to recording. Um, I don't know what you thought. That was lovely to hear that. His passion was infectious. Um, my my yeah. my jaw was aching from smiling and laughing so much after speaking to for I don't know for about an hour and fifteen minutes I think it was, and the response we had from the Crow family about him and just how good they felt after it you know in dark times you know in this lockdown he he was a real light man I thoroughly enjoyed it. It completely took me away from reality. I, I'll be honest there. Uh, we've all had dodgy weeks here and there, but for me. I completely had escapism. Um, this episode was brilliant for me. I could just sit back, uh, come in when I could, <laughs> which was brilliant. Sometimes you don't need that. We're just there as a visual and to, to kind of prompt maybe certain questions. Or um, and this was just certainly it. This was this was a great great episode for myself and you to just be part of and let let Blaze take us down the rabbit hole of of heavy metal <laughs> it was incredible yeah. like you know and i keep saying that word incredible because i think use a use a use a quick little podcast exclusive when me and shane um so every tuesday when we, we're about to go live we always do like a mic check or we try to now uh with the guests and i think i mean even that mic check was funny when it but it was just like oh from the word, from the word go you just knew you know, I, I, it was it's from that mic check. We knew what kind of guest he was going to be and what kind of night he was going to be. He was just let Blaze be Blaze and let him steamroll um, and just roll off all these stories. It was it was one of the best we've had, man. Yeah, we wish him all the best. His album's coming out April 9th. I think we mentioned that about 50,000 times. Um, yet again, if you want to go onto YouTube, you can see the visual. He's very animated. Um, but if you're just driving along in your car, try 
try to keep your eyes on the road because he will he will distract you. I think even the audio version he will distract you. Um, also, be careful with your volume levels on this episode because when we've been editing it. Um, Blaze does go from one to eleven. That is heavy metal. Um, so it's not it's not kind of on a on a five or a seven like some guests, where it's just that continuous kind of level. He goes from one to heavy metal eleven, like you know. So should we get into it? Let's get into it. Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. We are Let's get into it. Shall we? Shall we have a guest? Yes, cannot wait for this, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome the awesome frontman, Blaze Bailey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me? All right, brother. Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> it's South Wales, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, South Wales. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. How you doing? Ah, uh, Blaze, absolute pleasure, brother. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really honoured, buddy. It's nice to be able to show off all the hard work that I've done with the background, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you can see. Uh, uh, my fans may recognise this as something we did to black out a rehearsal room to make a video a few years ago. Yeah, I've held on to it, recycled it now for my own studio. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Sorry to say, lads, I'm a bit blacker and darker than what you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that comes with age, you see. Yeah. No, it's going to take us a few years to get to your standard, brother. That's no yeah. question there. You get, eventually, all them white bits you got, they'll get black. <laughs> see, I've only got this one white bit here. But that's yeah. actually my whiteboard that I put all my stuff on. So uh, that's it. <laughs> How's things in South Wales? How are you doing down there? It's pretty good, bud. I mean, we're, we're very lucky. We've spoken about this in um, other Crowcast episodes. Uh, we're, we're very close to the, the sea. we got lots of forestry around, you know, so we can go for walks. So um, yeah, it's all... Rub it in. Rub yeah, it in. I'm in Birmingham. <laughs> rub it yeah. in, man. I used to come to South Wales on my motorcycle and now, you know, with all the lockdown and everything the last couple of times, and now you're just saying, oh, yeah, it's so great down here, but you can't come. (laughs) Why am I even on this podcast if all you're doing is just throwing it in my face? I live in a great country with mountains and seaside. You live in the middle of the country, as far away from any open water as I could possibly be. Thanks for that, guys. Yeah, I feel much better being on this podcast. But you were the king of metal, so come on. It kind of the uh, balance. Uh, that that title is... Uh, I made a mistake with that. It was misconstrued. I right. made a song called King of Metal, but really what it should have been called is You Are the King. Because I didn't realise people would misinterpret because the chorus of the song says, you are the king of metal. And it's about the fans because for me, heavy metal is fans and there is no metal without fans. And pop bands come and go, but heavy metal fans 
keep us alive. And it was a tribute to heavy metal fans, but people thought it was something else when they looked at the title. So that I'm telling you now, be careful with your titles, lads, as you go. <laughs> and there's another thing I need to talk to you about is <laughs> uh, in your video. Right. Yeah. Uh, how many mirrors did you break in that video? <laughs> Mom, man. Uh, you know... So a few years ago now, I moved five times in one year, thoroughly unpleasant. I broke quite a few mirrors, and it took me to now, till now to get back on top. You know, wow. so I'm sorry to say, lads, you may have a bleak few years in front of you. You know, it's 14 years bad luck that you could have there. Yeah. So, yeah. Is that for the band or is it just for the person that broke yeah, it's it? It's a whole band. It's a whole band. Oh, oh whole nice band. one. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> and it's not shared out a few years. It's everyone, 14 years, bad luck. <laughs> That's it. I've ruined so, it. I, I'm through that now. I don't have any mirrors in the house except I put up in my studio a mirror tile. I thought, small room. I thought, use mirrors as kind of windows you know, re reflections, all, all of this. And I was careful about the placement. And then I'm downstairs on here, clang, clang, clang. And one of the mirrors has fallen off the wall onto my desk. Man, I, I, I thought somebody was breaking into the house. So uh, it, absolutely bizarre. It didn't break. Woo! No bad luck. Okay, <laughs> Just a bit of excitement. No bad luck. So, uh, I, I really, I think in this day and age, you should have used special effects and CGI uh, on the broken mirrors. Uh, but it's a very cool video, man, what you did with that. Really, really cool and a great song, too. Ah, uh, really thank good. you, man. That means so much coming from you. Thank you so much, buddy. Hey, let's talk about your new music. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. It's such a relief. Oh, my God. You know, we finished it um, at the end of last year with the final mixes and getting the getting the master through. And then you just, well, you know what it's like. You just yeah. go, okay, well, I've done, a, I've done a good job. I've done the best I can, but will anybody like it? Yeah. And uh, Matt, so the first couple of copies go to journalists and people say, oh, Actually, I really like this, and I'm getting the vibe, you know, of it. And then the single is out now on Spotify and iTunes, War Within Me, the title track. And I've had a lot of great feedback from fans on Facebook and Instagram saying that they like it. Oh, so relieved, man. So relieved. What we wanted to do was something very, very positive. We had a couple of songs uh, about real historical characters uh, and a couple of songs about heroes. And when we came back from South America last February and we, we were in Paris airport for the change to go to London, man, theirs was the COVID uh, posters, people in masks and everything. Nothing in South America, not even a, a sign that anything could be wrong in the world, you know. Mm. And... Um, 
And then we played Burfest in March, sold out in London, fantastic show, went so well. And I think that was one of the last ever live performances by any band in Europe, you know, in March. We thought it was going to be cancelled the week before, uh, and it went ahead, you know, and people had travelled to it. And it was after that, really, we were starting the main part of our writing. We were always going to write and record in 2020. And uh, and I, I said to Chris Appleton, who I write with, I said, this has got to be a really positive vibe, man. Because if fans, my fans have been waiting for this for two years, then what's the first thing? You're going to go inside their head. They're going to ask you inside their head with the headphones. They're going to take you into their car. You're going to be going to work and back with them. They're even going to take you into their bedroom and put you on the hive. What are you going to say when you get there? And... Yeah, I'm so lucky that up until now I've been able to do a free meet and greet with my fans before or after every show. And it's very, very humbling. People say, oh, this song was really got me through a bad time. This album means a lot. Because, I mean, it doesn't mean it's particularly me, but all of us, we happen across albums at certain times and it means something to us, but it's still very, very cool. And I just thought, well, my fans expect something and I really want them to feel good at the end of the album. They've helped me so much over the years through thick and thin, good times and bad. I thought... Uh, I've really got to do something positive. So every single thing we did, we got the ideas out the vault. We had new ideas. Everything we did, Chris Appleton and me were like, does that really go there? Is that the most positive place for the journey to go? Does the instrumental really do that? Or do we do something else? Is is that the end of the guitar solo? No, it's not. That's where it begins. <laughs> you know, and we didn't care about being cheesy at yeah. all. Every heavy metal trick in the book, we don't care. We'll have it. We'll have the build-ups. We'll have the big soul. We'll have the belly. We don't care. It was like yeah. being 14. It's like, well, oh, that could be a bit cheesy, but do we like it? Yes. Okay, we'll have that then. You know, and it, that's how we went through the whole album, really. Yeah. And uh, all of the time, I could just picture my fans. I'm on first name terms with a few of my fans who've been with me for years and years. And I just thought about them and yeah. reaching out to them, the horrible time that we're all going through. And I, I just wanted them to, to feel that they get to the end of the Blaze Bailey album and go, oh, I've got my Blaze Bailey album. I'll be okay for another year. Yeah. You know, so that, that was important. And so far, all the feedback we've had has been really good. So, well, I was going to say that because we had, you know, we had, we had the privilege of like hearing it. Um, your management sent it to us, and we heard it. Um, and you know, the, the title "War Within Me" 
I generally thought he was going to go a certain direction, you know, but you're absolutely right, brother. I mean, it is positive. It is uplifting. When when you listen to it, it's, it's, it's not, don't be fooled by the title. You know what I mean? You may be having war with yourself, but it's a real upbeat, positive vibe. Well, the, the idea, if you look at the artwork, the idea is that the two sides of your nature, you've got, in the head there, you've got the good side and the bad side. Do you give in to your self-destructive, selfish, lazy side, or do you battle and take responsibility for your own happiness and well-being and the better part of yourself wins? And that's the war that I think we all go through little decisions that we make do does it does it turn us towards the dark do we go towards the light each little decision and to various degrees you know sometimes it's a challenge sometimes it's a fight sometimes it's a battle and mm. sometimes it's a war to get through the day, to get through the week. It's not just, oh, day at a time. Sometimes it's just, it's hour at a time. God, in this horrible, horrible time for humanity, with all of the darkness that we're going through, one good thing is happening, and that is people have to talk about mental health. And the government are talking about mental health and people see that mental health is important where I've never had to hide my problems with mental health because, what, I'm my own boss. So, you know, I, I don't have to worry about people slagging me off because of mental health, but it's still a subject that's taboo for a lot yep. of people. It's still always oh, a bit of a nutter, isn't he? I'm okay. I'm a heavy metal singer. That's that's par for the course. Of course, I'm a nutcase, you know. But mental health now, it's on the news. The prime minister saying mental health. That can only be a good thing for everybody when we all go, well, actually, yeah, I have got these feelings. I've got these crazy thoughts. But that's normal for everyone. I'm yeah. not just the only nutcase in the world. So I think that's a good thing about it and that is what's behind war within me and a lot of the songs on the album like warrior and pull yourself up it's the internal dialogue that i've often used to keep myself going to keep myself motivated well sometimes it's di it's difficult you know years and years ago they wrote about me in a magazine, sorry, Blaze, you just can't sing. And my girlfriend at the time said, you're never going to make it. Uh, I'm, I'm not a natural singer. I admit that. But I love to sing and I love to perform. I learned to sing because I wanted to be a singer like Ronnie James Dio. And then years later, here I am a fully professional heavy metal singer living my dream. And those people who said I couldn't do it, where are they? Yeah. Where are they? What lives are they living? You know, so, and I wanted to put some of that, it goes back a bit, but I wanted to put some of that on the album. And so it says, they said I could not sing, come and sing with me. 
You know, it is the impossible, but it's only impossible when people think it's impossible, you know. So I wanted to put that dialogue on there and other things about heroes. And the one of the big songs about real people is the unstoppable Stephen Hawking. And that's what that's one of my favorite tracks on the on yeah, the well, yeah. Thanks, man. We, we we'd had we'd had this idea a while ago. Chris Appleton wanted to try out uh, a certain studio, and he said, "Well, let's do a demo." And we we came up with something quickly. I'd wanted to do something about Stephen Hawking, and it, it came up. It was called the Hawk, and it was okay, you know. But it was just a demo. It was it was just to try something out, very simple format, and then. When we came to this part of it and we got it, th this recording and writing, we got it out of the vault. I was like, you know what? It's not his discoveries that's the most important part about Stephen Hawking. It's the fact that the doctor said you've got three years to live. Yeah. And 49 years later, with a withered, crippled body, unable to speak, he was doing a lecture to top scientists in the world. So it's yeah. like, that's the heroic part. What would I do if I had motor neuron disease, if my body stopped working and you're trapped there in your in your own body? I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to get through it. That's yeah. what's, for me, what's heroic about Stephen Hawking. Yes, he's a genius, but a man who said, I've got too much to do. I haven't got time to die. Hmm. Someone who said that for me, that's the legend, and that's what I take. And so, on the album cover, there in the top corner, there's a little black hole, and there's the chair of Stephen Hawking going towards the black hole to uh, to symbolize. Oh my god! Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh right. yes. Yeah. Top right. That's the. And then behind him is Nikola Tesla with his wow. uh, conducting the lightning. And then on the bottom right is Enigma. And that is for Alan Turing. And yep. uh, his, his dream of artificial intelligence, but the problem that we have with artificial intelligence, they're racing towards it just like nuclear weapons. And the Turing test says when a machine can deceive a human into thinking that the machine is human, it has passed the test of artificial intelligence. Well, the problem that I have with that, the machine, the very first thing that brings it into existence is a deception. So if the first thing is a lie, what's going to happen to the rest of the future? Is it going to be Skynet and Terminators? Because <laughs> it starts with a lie. Is it going to be the Matrix? Because the machine, you go, oh, so I see, I can't see a picture, and at least I go, oh, all right, mate, yeah, how you doing? Oh, that's obviously a human. <laughs> no, I'm an evil machine. Come to take over the world. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the story. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's, we don't know, man, what an age we live in. I made an album in Abbey Road with Wolfsbane, just incredible, same studio as the Beatles. I recorded in Sound City in Los Angeles. 
you know, I, I think same as I think Fleetwood Mac Rumors was yeah. recorded their legendary thing on on tape, big yeah. reels of tape going all around. This was impossible, you know. This was on Star Trek. You would never believe it. That if you wanted to make a call in them days, man, you had to have a mortgage. You'd look at the phone and you'd be scared. Show a phone England. No, you had an option of writing. It, was no, it wasn't even email. You know, it was a week's wages to phone back to the UK. So now in this world, wow, can record at home. You can make great recordings. We did War Within Me in the home studio. And, you know, a lot of different things. But, we, you know, we came up with a really good result. So if that's happened, what's going to happen with artificial intelligence? You know, well, it's going to link these things together. I, you know, I can't have, um, I can't have this Siri on the phone activated, and I can't have one of these speakers that you talk to. I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like a teenager. I'll just be going, shut up, get out. You know what I mean? I'll be, I'll be taking my, I'll be absolutely vile. And that's when the artificial intelligence is going to start coming. We'll get him. We'll get him. That we'll get him. That price, Bailey. Yeah. When we get the proper robots coming, he's first up against the wall, that leader. That's that's why when you jump in with it, it's really relevant to what you just said. I mean, the last year. Uh, 2020 especially, the amount of tech we've had to rely on, uh, whether it be these home Zoom quizzes or, um, like you said now, you you don't just ring somebody and you, you hear that funny, that, that, that dial and you go, oh, shit, that's going to cost me a fortune, you put it down. Um, now we're FaceTiming everybody or we're doing interviewer, interviews via this way or live streaming gigs. Uh, have you been thinking about that or would you miss the live no. circuit too much? Uh to be honest, with live streaming, the problem is we don't live in the same house. So it's it's about the lockdown and everything. Yeah. We would if we lived very local and we could have the pocket, but I know you know some people don't agree with a lot of the rules, but for me, I've just tried to stick with the government rules and the government guidelines, and we all have. So when things started to get postponed and cancelled. What, what we did was, right, actually, we'll get together for 15 days. Right, we'll have 15 days apart. Right, we'll get together. And that's how we did our writing and recording. And, of course, the worst part of it was the mixing because we were in different places and mixing, well, as you know yourself, it's going under the microscope. That was a real challenge, the mixing, because you can't really mix like this. You've got to have the cans on. You've got to have different speakers going. You know, every mix that we listen to and make notes on, it, it, that's four hours because, yeah. of you know, you've got that many different speakers and different levels that you're listening to. That was tough, man, not being in the same room. Things that would take 10 minutes normally and you go no not like that let's hear it like that yeah like that would be no it's like i'll i'll have to send it through i'll have to send it back and oh man so that was a challenge but yeah. in the end yeah this is i remember i'm so old 
I remember watching Star Trek <laughs> original series with my mom, seeing the sliding doors and going, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. We'll never see. We're ne now, people go to hospital with smashed up faces because they thought the doors would open. <laughs> you know? So it, it's a different world now. But I, I think the good, there's so many good things about it for me as a musician and an artist compared to what it was when I started out with four-track demo tape and two-inch tape in the studio and quarter-inch tape and hiss. Oh, man, we just go mad over hiss. Hiss. All the, yeah, everything's going. Yeah, the first thing you hear on the, on the recording is Go, no, no, he's, he's. And there was no way to get rid of it. Nothing. And then somebody invented a filter that could remove hiss in the mastering. And oh, oh man, we were we were practically wanking off. You know, yeah. when we when the hiss disappeared, we're going, oh yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. You know, now we just hardly even think of it. You know. <laughs> What's that hiss? Well, your speakers are broke or you've got a shitty amp. It's not the recording. So <laughs> yeah. it's a different world, man. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's much better, you know, when tape was the king, it would be getting my voice into a certain shape to get the inference to get the thing on the lyric on the word on the consonant to get the vowel to sound a certain way because you wanted to get this emotion out and you could you could get it you could go the sign of the cross okay we're ready to record now oh, ah, <laughs> ah, ah, that was perfect no oh yeah 50 times later 50 times I'll try again tomorrow. You know, now, now you just leave the thing on. Yeah. And you've got a few, and you go, oh, no, there it is. Great. Done. Bang. On to the next bit. And then you can put a, a beautiful picture together. It's different. It's different to how it was. But for me, man, when I had the chance to record to hard drive for the first time, I'm like, I will never use tape again. Never. Because in those few seconds, when it goes, the shape's gone. Right. But yeah. with hard drive, it's like, go again, 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 and you've got the shape, and it's still yeah. there. And yeah. so on this album, War Within Me, we were able to get those shapes and get those different textures yeah. and Chris could go, Chris Appleton could say, right, uh, let's, let's use this chord. Cause that is the aggressive part of the voice. And I could say, right, here is the part of the voice I want to use with this lyric and melody. Get me the chord to that. Get me the key to that. Right. How do we get from there to there? And, and, and that's what we did. And we pieced, the whole album together, so we had a lot of luck and some inspiration as well. But when we ran out of luck and inspiration, 
we threw things at each other and carried on working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand, you know, being being a singer, um, where if you're out of that moment, something you you like your vocal shape changes, I gather. Yeah. Um, it's so delicate. Because you can't if it's a day after or an hour later, you've got to reassess and readjust to how it was the, the bit that was okay that gone down recorded. Yeah. Well, I totally understand. I totally get that. People don't we, understand that. <laughs> what we did was um, Chris suggested we, we, we normally work at acoustic levels, but he said, uh, he said, you know what? Why don't we try all of the songwriting and all of the arrangements? Let's do it on this old acoustic guitar my old acoustic guitar it's not a plug-in one just stick a mic in front of it i stick a mic in front of me we do our demos and there's so much more room in the chord and there are more notes to find in the melody so we did the whole album like that apart from the title track war within me which was the last one and yeah. one of the first songs that we came up with was Every Storm Ends. And it mm. was this really lovely vibe. We got all the notes of the melody, everything in place, and the texture of the voice was great. And then as we gradually take things from acoustic and go, okay, well, what do the drums do? And, and how does the riff sound metal and all of that? We got to Every Storm Ends. And we got to the vocal, and it was just rubbish. And we're like, well, yeah, we've got a lovely arrangement. It goes all the places we want it to go. But the actual texture and sound of the vocal is miles away from what we did on that two hours when we did the demo. Oh, man. And we went round and round. We had to keep coming back to it. And it was just about the last day of recording when Chris said, right, I'm I'm deleting all your vocal takes. What? No, no. He goes, yeah, that's it, man. You just got to do it now. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, it's just, that's it. Get back. Get back there. And I'm like, oh, all right. Every storm ends. And I was back and we and we got it, but oh man. You don't know it's that shape. And yeah. once you know that you have these colours, and once you know you can access these tones and colours to put on these lyrics, you can't go back. Yeah. You can't just go, yeah. You've got to go, yeah. You've got to, haven't you? You yeah. can't go back. You've got, oh, I can paint this picture. I can get my listener into my song now. I can bring them in. They're going to know what I feel. Yes. And for me, I think one of the wonderful, wonderful things is so many people like music with vocal that isn't their first language. So, uh, a lot of people like metal with English. And if English isn't your first language, if you've done a good job on your vocal, then they know what that song is about and what the feeling is straight away. And yeah. I, I think with a lot of um, with a lot of Spanish music, you know, it's very passionate music and f- Spanish folk and things like this, that comes over straight away and and I think that's a really cool thing that I've been able to do because of getting rid of tape and because of modern technology 
and being able to use the technology as a tool to help us get to that picture and that song, you know, which is, I, th I think with metal and rock, it's a bit of a different way to come at it from the way other artists come at it more from a technical point of view. Some people, the song is what evolves from this. For me, it's always that it has to be that song first, you know. No, that, that makes total sense, but and it's, it's funny because I was speaking to my guitarist, I don't know, three or four days ago, Shaina, and um, I was having that exact conversation about how if you can, a song is at its rawest form, like acoustically, and those open chords and an acoustic, so for a vocalist, a melody maker, it opens doors. So you saying that was like literally the conversation I had with my guitarist a couple of days ago. Yeah, um, you know, and when I was in Wolf Spain, well, we're still together. Um, we're going to be making a, a new album whenever we can. But one of the things that I found was things were often haphazard. And it was, I felt lucky if I got a good song yeah. together. You know, it's like, oh, great, we've got another good one. We've got I Like It Hot. We've got Manhunt. You know, we've got Kathy Wilson. It felt like we had a little bit of luck to help us. And then when I started working with Steve Harris, in Iron Maiden and Yannick Gers and Dave Murray, then that was quite uh, an awakening because we wrote everything at acoustic level. Right. Everything, absolutely everything. The voice had to be the loudest thing in the room in the writing process. So, and I was like, oh, uh, and that's it. No, you've got to hear the voice. And Steve Harris would say, the most important thing is the vocal. The most important thing. And then get to the instrumental. The instrumental is as important as the vocal. That's what he would say. So you had this thing going on where you really had to find this great vocal and then... That couldn't do You had to find something to replace the great vocal and take it. The instrumental had to do that, and then it had to come back to this vocal. So, you know, that was a revelation, really. Those two albums and working with the guys on that and saying, um, oh, yeah, I, I would go, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll use that. And other times, well, you've got some good bits in that. You'll have to change that round to make it work. And uh, and that's what I did. And those lessons that I learned then, really, I found my voice there recording those two albums. And it's been step by step in my solo career, 11 studio albums now. And on War Within Me, you can hear everything that I'm able to do, from the most mm. aggressive, dark, melancholy, joyous, Everything that I'm able to do is on war within me. And that all comes from that experience. And I remember a David Coverdale interview where he said, if it doesn't work on the acoustic guitar, it's not going to work with drums. And, and that's it. And I, I think of myself as a songwriter. So I'm trying to write a song, something that will take you on a journey and you want to come back to. 
So, and I think that's one of the great things now about modern technology. We're able to capture these things. But if you think about it, the design of the guitar is hundreds of years old and we're still going back to the elements of a basic acoustic guitar and a voice in a room. It's incredible. It's incredible thinking that I am hidden started their songs acoustically. That's incredible to even think that <clears throat> because yeah. there's so much rhythm and passion and feel within yeah. the songs. Um, but so that writing process, was it a case of like someone would bring something to the table and then you'd all work on it collectively or would it would it be like uh, Harris brings I, I something? Know, I don't know what it's like with you, lads, but um, it it's a case of, well, you'll partner up. And so... Oh, Yannick, I've got a couple of ideas uh, that I think will work for us. Dave, I've got an idea, a couple of ideas I think will work with us. Steve, I've got this idea. Maybe we could work on this together. And then then once you've got something very solid, then get into the rehearsal and you've got your melody, you've got most of your lyrics, then you're in rehearsal and you're finding your drum patterns and your bass lines and and things like this. So that's how we did it. And I've done it like that since, really, apart from this album where I've gone, well, I didn't see the drummer. I'm like, oh. (laughs) So he's had to record a lot of his own parts and send them through, which, of course, is the technology again. And uh, we were socially distanced while we were writing and recording as well. Chris and I, you know, uh, made sure that we had that that two-metre distance and then the bass player was able to come to the home studio. We kept the distance. We were very careful about everything as well, you know. But, uh, yeah, that was it. For me, it's got to start with the with the song. But, you know, what Chris Appleton is able to do is he's able to get that acoustic guitar and play these riffs on yeah. the acoustic guitar and get this amazing rhythm out. And just with the acoustic guitar and the voice, the, it brings it to life. So he's got a huge amount of talent that he doesn't say, well, I'm a heavy metal guitarist. He goes, I'm a guitarist. And he brings things to life. And we have a feeling of excitement from Mm. that. But I I really think that there's so much more in the chord that you can find with the acoustic. And once you've found that melody and you have those melody options, then it does. You've got it. It's solid, and you can come back. Right. Let's get the. Let's make this metal because you've already got your melody. But if you start with heavy metal guitar, there's just not the depth in the chord because yeah. of the distortion. The things that make heavy metal guitar sound and feel great are the things I think that restricts your choice of melody on your vocal. That's interesting because when I listen to your album, and uh, the two albums that were Maiden, Wolfsbane, like heavy metal in general, there's guitar lines that are vocal lines. And it's almost Absolutely, like the yeah. whole band um, follows the, the melody of the vocals. So it was it was that a conscious thing when you're, you're writing? Do you yeah. write that melody and then the guitar follows you? Or is oh, it a guitar well, line it, and then you follow it? It's this whole thing of the melody is gold. 
That's what reaches into the heart. I'm visualizing, because I'm a doctor, actually, of heavy metal. So I'm visualizing going in through your ear, down there, getting your heart, bringing it out, and putting it back in, and you feel a lot better. And that's <laughs> yes. the melody that's going to do that. So when we're writing, it, and I'm giving away trade secrets now, so I hope nobody watches this. When we're <laughs> writing, right, what happens is we'll, we'll have melodies and you don't know if that's a guitar or a vocal melody. Mm. And I'll go, well, try this on the guitar, Chris, or Chris will come up with something. I'll say, oh, that's the verse. He goes, no, it can't. it's not the verse at all. I'm going, it is, mate. You just wait and see. And there it is. And we've got this wonderful song called Infinite Entanglement. And he's going, but that was a guitar melody. I'm going, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm singing it, man, and it's fantastic. So that's. I think that's another side to it is what's going to get you in the heart? What's going mm. to take your heart? I'm Blaze Bailey. I want your heart. I want your undivided attention in this room tonight with me. I want to share my emotions and experience. You're not here to watch me. You're here to be with me and be part of this event. That's what I want. And to get that, I've got to get a melody that you are going to sing, that you are going to feel, and I've got to get lots of them. And when things go well, well, you've experienced it yourself. If the government knew how good it feels when your fans sing along with your songs, they would tax the shit out of it. Yeah. You know, so it's just an incredible, incredible feeling. And I'm so hungry for that feeling that I'm, we're there, we're writing, and I think, oh, when the fans hear this, oh, we'll do this, when we, we'll do this live, and all of yeah. that. And it, it's always there, you know. I, I think that's quite an old school thing because we write like that. We We write a song and we're already thinking of a middle section of how to extend it just for the crowd. That's the crowd's part. Do you know what I mean? That's not our yeah. part. We'll take the back step there, don't we, Shane? We almost... Like, there was a song we wrote back um, last year, and I just remember there's an instrumental part, and we knew we would stop, and the crowd will do the clapping and keep the tempo of the song. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I love that. That's such an old-school... Because um, yeah, you, you're connected with your fan base then. You're, for me, that's metal. I mean, yeah. you, for me, that's metal. Yeah. That, that's where we are. That's why metal lives forever, forever, because it lives in the heart of fans. And it, live, it lives uh, in that show. You know, when I was in Maiden, we were at war with grunge, man. Grunge was trying to kill us, right? The UK press, they thought the sun shone out of various bands' bottoms. And... They wanted Maiden to die. We went into the heartland of death. We played Seattle at the height of grunge, man, and it was one of the most awful gigs I've ever done. You had these people looking at us like we're some kind of dinosaur, and they're going like, why aren't they dead yet? What? And then you've got a few rows at the front going, Maiden, yes, 
And it's just unbelievable. And that's the war that we had with X Factor and Virtual Eleven. We were fucking fighting for the very existence of real heavy metal. And yeah. where are they now? You know, metal is forever because it's in the heart of fans. I'm sorry, but grunge, it was fashionable. And the best thing about what I do is it's not fashionable. I'm always unpopular. And that's why I've lasted so long. I'm tiny, but if I was going to be really pop, I'd be up, bang, gone. Who was he? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Right, right. Have you heard of Blaze Bailey? Yeah, isn't he that artist that's really small, a cult figure? Yeah. And they've been saying that for 25 years. The same yeah. thing. So because of that, I haven't disappeared. If everybody liked me, it'd be the kiss of death for my career. With yeah. when you just said about Maiden, then Blaze, do you, do you think the transition? You know, when you let when you came out of Wolf Spain, you went into Iron Maiden. Um, do you think the timing, because of grunge, could have affected a lot? Or um... I mean, you you look at this right. Uh, I've joined Iron Maiden, and practically the next month, it's in the Financial Times. EMI sold every manufacturing plant they had the biggest record company in the world at the time yeah. sold all their manufacturing so what's going to happen since at that point people are dependent on the money from bits of plastic to keep going you know gigs were upside down then everybody put on the biggest gig they would lose money on tour and make it back on cds and records so that that was what was going on so when Bruce, I think it's a tough job, man. I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's a challenging, tough job, and I really think Bruce needed a break when he went. You know, I, that's it. I've known Bruce before Maiden, before I was in Maiden. I've known him while I was in Maiden, and we're you know still friends. It's a lovely bloke. He's been very supportive of me. He obviously he he needed a break from it, man, and um, I think. What's different is I never expected to get it because my voice is so different. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. actually, that even though that presented a big challenge, when you listen to those albums with a different voice and Sign of the Cross and Clansman and Future Real, and when you listen to Virus from Best of the Beast, it's a different sound. And now that is seen as the start of this progressive era of Maiden with these very elaborate compositions and arrangements. But still, the song is there at the root of it. I yeah. think if you listen to Blood Brothers, uh, it's got so many different parts and duffel, but it doesn't feel complicated. It just feels natural. You know, it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written in the history of popular music, I think. And if they played that on the radio the same amount of times as they played some of this pop music, if you can yeah. call it that, then <laughs> the world would be a better place, man. The world yeah. would be a better place. If we had Blood Brothers on the radio two or three times a day on mainstream radio, the world would be a better place. Then they put Blaze Bailey on. Then they put Crows on. And, you know, suddenly the world's changing. And when I'm Prime Minister 
metal on mainstream radio will be a legal requirement, right? Because for immunity, everybody's going to feel happier, more healthy, and they're going to feel more spiritual, be kinder to everybody, and that's going to be it, man. So remember, in a few years, that I'll be working as prime minister, okay? (laughs) I I shall fit me gigs in around that. That's an exclusive, a Crowcast exclusive. Um, please, I've got to ask you this question, bud, um, because it's almost legendary, this. Um, support acts that have, you know, gone on before the Mighty Maiden um, yeah. have literally died on their ass, right? Yeah. Because they just, they, the Maiden fans are just there to see Maiden. Now, yeah. am I right in saying this? You and your band, Wolf Spain, were supporting yeah. Iron Maiden. Yeah, we did. 31, I think it was 33, sold-out shows in the UK. So tell me, how does it... Was it was it as, as like, as I describe it, was it that shitty, you know, you're supporting Iron Maiden? And secondly, how, how did that feel going from the support act to being the front man of this yes. massive, yeah. heavy rock band, metal well, band? I think the thing about Wolfsbane is that, you know, we came up through pubs, youth clubs, working men's clubs, yeah, garages, you know, garden sheds. We came up doing gigs in impossible places like you do. I mean, same as you've probably done it. When you start off, I've got a gig. That's all you need to know. Whether... Yeah. It's uh, whether it's a a, a gig, uh, you know, at a school or at a biker event. You really don't care. I've yeah. got a gig. We've got a gig. You know, you're just learning to play. You're learning to play, and you're happy about it. And of course, in Wolfsbane, you know, we went through so much, man. I remember a gig that we played um, in a working man's club, and it was a youth night in the working man's club and they closed the curtains at the end of the gig. Right. And they ripped the people there. I won't call them fans ripped a radiator off the wall, threw it on the stage and nicked all of our mics. Cause it was our own gear. Nicked all the mics off the stage. Like, what? And then we, I mean, we've done gigs with electronic bands. We've done gigs with pop bands, anybody, anywhere we would go. And of course we were, I mean, it's a thin line. The great front men, I believe, not great vocalists, but the great front men must have in equal measure courage and stupidity. They have to be too stupid to think that they can't do it and they have to be so courageous that when they're in it they go i'm not stopping i'll keep going you know and that's what that was all of us in wolf spain were like that it's like what you know and i'll tell you what in wolf spain we never closed our eyes on stage man you know sometimes <laughs> when you get into the moment and get yeah. not in wolf spain I mean, you're like this because <laughs> anything could come on Anything. What the hell's that? Yeah. My God. With a radiator, it's a full can of beer. Anything could come on you. Whoa. Yeah. You have to, you no getting emotional in Wolfsbane. And so, of course, we go then 
to support Maiden. Bearing in mind, we, we supported a, a few big bands along the way, and we'd done a couple of little festivals. We supported Maiden, and it was just, okay, we went out with the attitude that people would hate us, and what we would do is play well and do our thing, and we weren't going to let anybody stop us doing what we like to do and what we normally do. And after about three songs, people would go, actually, these aren't bad, you know. Hmm. And, and that was it. We never, we never stopped. And uh, in regards to your question, what was it like going from that to the lead singer? We were in Chile, right? And Maiden were banned from Chile by the church because they thought Maiden were Satanists and devil worshippers because of Number of the Beast and all of this. So we're there and uh, we get we got a motorcycle escort to the gig, right? Um, we get in the back and the tour manager's there. Okay, everybody, you've got an hour to get yourself ready. No interviews tonight. Okay. Oh, great. Got an hour. Right, I'll start my warm-up. Hello, everybody. Yeah, you've got 15 minutes. I said, what happened to an hour? They said, there's been a problem with the support band. I said, what? They've been bottled off stage during the first song. (laughs) Wow. We never had that in Wolfsbane, man. Oh. But there they were. I mean, great band as well. Spanish-speaking, Heroes de Silencia, I think they're called. And uh, and the poor singer. I mean, people had been waiting 20 years to see Iron Maiden. And they knew Iron Maiden were in the building, right? So they're like, you know what? Let's get rid of this support band. We just want to see that. And I'll tell you what, man, we were backstage there in Chile. I think it's about 20,000 people or something. There's a full video of it somewhere on YouTube because state television, the Chilean version of the BBC, illegally recorded the gig. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, they just saw that. We're like, what are these cameras? And it's like, great big broadcast cameras. And we're just looking, nah, we can't say nothing about it. And uh, <laughs> we're backstage. The lights go down. And I'll tell you, the hair's on the back of my neck now. It's just incredible. The scream and the sound. I mean, we've all been there when we're watching gigs. The lights go down. And you hear that thing. But that one show in Chile, man, and we, I played 60,000, 70,000, 10,000, and all sorts of gigs. But that one night in Chile, when them lights went down and that scream went up, everybody, I mean, the other guys in Maiden, so experienced, everybody looked like, whoa. Wow. And we all knew, of course, that support band had been bottled off. So it was like every it was electric, man. The atmosphere, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. fantastic, fantastic show, absolutely brilliant. So, wow, I got goose pimples so there. Brilliant. That was the other side of it, man. That was the other yeah. side. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm the lead singer in. Wow, that's insane! Absolutely insane. What what was it like with the, the the rehearsals leading up and knowing how like the stage sets and stuff like that and because that's, it's, that's nothing, a... it's nothing it's just you know the most important thing is the music 
Yeah. So it's just just the same as uh, as we'd rehearse now. So you guys probably got a rehearsal room. Yeah. Uh, you just set up and you have as many rehearsals until you feel well. We can be tight, and then we'll have a long sound check on the first day, or you know, a production rehearsal if you got. And it was just the same as that, really. So mm-hmm. you're in a little rehearsal room, but of course, the feeling that you have mm-hmm. when you hear the guitar of Dave Murray, <laughs> it can only be Dave Murray for My Maiden. I'm in the room with Dave Murray for My Maiden! <laughs> and Nico hasn't got a giant kit. He's, he's got, you know, a kit that he needs to do the job in rehearsals, and he does a couple of fills, and you're like, oh, well, I am anyway. I'm going, oh, Nico! You're there in the room with it. It's, oh, it's amazing. That's so, incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Like before going on stage, just knowing that, like what that, look like, as a front man, what more inspiration do you need? Like you've been. Well, uh, and the other thing was, I was a huge fan. Yeah. Yes. So for me, what I wanted to do was kind of bring a fresh feeling to the songs. I went back and listened to the studio albums and what Bruce was doing there, some of the live things that he did. And I kind of tried to find my own path that fans who'd heard these songs on tour for a lot of years, they would have a fresh feeling from it. Try and tighten up the phrasing a little bit, you know, and take, take breaths in slightly different places to give me a better run on, on different things. And it worked. And of course that, experience you know you're a young man and mm. uh you go oh well we're going on the well uh it's the the t- <laughs> <laughs> i remember steve goes to me he goes sir he goes the tour could be nine months i'm going yes yes <laughs> nine months on tour yeah i've lived for this oh yeah fantastic man you know where somebody else might be oh nine months away from home i was going yes nine months <laughs> gigs every night yes oh man it's fun- absolutely fantastic that was so yeah and of course all of that experience then when i started my own solo project yeah maiden have been through everything man Mm. or everything all the internal band politics arguments everything everything that you and i have been through in our band they've been through as well but Mm. they found a way to survive it and come back from it and keep going and you go ah okay and that's what i do now i don't have my own full-time band i work with Chris Appleton and the guys from Absolver, great band. When they're not working with me, they do their own albums and their own thing, you know, really, really cool. And when we're together, that's what we do. You know, it's like, well, you know, this is the way we're going to do things, be professional, try and be respectful of each other and, and do it like that. And in the end, Maiden have been going for so long the greatest thing that I can say that I've taken from it 
and I put into my own work is the music is the most important thing. Nothing else. Mm. That music has to sustain you. And if you if you haven't done your best job in the writing and recording, you're going to be miserable when you're out there on the road, man, mm. singing something that you're not convinced about. So with Maiden, the music was the most important thing. That's what I have now in my solo career. And when we work on our songs with Wolfsbane, making that song come to life, making that the best it can be, that's the most important thing. Nothing could ever really be or should ever be as important as a song that you feel is complete and strong. Yeah. So that that was the best thing about it, really. And I'm just so lucky, man. i got this great team around me with Chris Appleton and the Absolver guys, wonderful manager as well. And, you know, one of the things is we're all working class and that feeds into the music in a way that goes, well, we're working class. If we weren't doing this, we'll be getting up at five in the morning. And me personally, I'll be working in a factory or a warehouse locally or a Mm. shop or something like that. So it's work and that's how we'll treat it. And we get our rehearsals done and we keep going and keep working until we get it right. And I think that's a big part of it, you know, is inspiration is great. But, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning is I've got to go to work. I've got to do this work because this is what pays the bills. And what we do, what I try and do is adopt that attitude when we're making our music right. Let's get these rehearsals done. Little break, rehearse, little break. Be professional about it. And I think it's a thing that we learned in Wolfsbane. We had our own rehearsal room set up and everything. And it's like, rehearse for a certain amount of time and that's it. But make sure that you do rehearse for that amount of time and rehearse on more days. You know, that's how we did it in Wolfsbane. In Maiden, and I think a lot of the big bands, everything's in blocks. So, right... We'll have this block of rehearsals. After the rehearsals, there's a production rehearsal for lights. After that, we load the van and we're on our way. And dot, 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 hmm. dot, 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 you know. But I think when you live closer together, you don't realise it at the time. You've got a huge advantage. Get rehearsing. Get it rehearsed together regular. If you live close to each other, get rehearsing together. That's great advice, man. Can I ask a question about the albums you did with Maiden? Um, How long were you in the band before you went and recorded your first album with them? It's a short time. It's it's about, it's five and a bit years that I I was with the band and two tours. And we we did uh, X Factor Virtual 11 and we did a special song, Virus, for Best of the Beast. I'm on Visions of the Beast. I think six of my performances are on the DVD Visions of the Beast, which is a few more than somebody else. So I think, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, (laughs) so, So that was it. And it's obviously it's a huge thing. And because Maiden are a big, important band, 
not just in metal, Maiden are an, an important band in the history yeah. of popular music. Yeah. That's what people forget. Yeah. That's yeah. what that is one of the things. It, it's a British band that's that has produced quality mm. so you know so much quality music and material and they've been going you know it might not be the band that sold the most albums but it's the band that's been going the longest producing quality yeah. and that is important in popular music and they're not just an important heavy metal band they're an important band in popular music. They were on those first couple of albums and when they supported Kiss and supported Judas Priest, right now when they're doing stadiums of their own and having, I mean, this having a spitfire on the stage. Ah! Ah! A spitfire on the stage. Man, it's a family war. <laughs> it's brilliant. And I mean, look, look how long they've been going. Been like, oh, well, we'll have a picture of a Spitfire on the back wall. We'll have a back. No, they've got an actual Spitfire. And the singer, the singer get this. The singer of Iron Maiden is dressed up like a pilot and he is a pilot that can fly a plane. It's amazing. It's amazing. What? What's the last two that they did? They'll be going years. They'll be going years, man. And then that's what they're coming up with. Oh, I, don't know idea. I don't know whose idea that was. It's absolutely brilliant. Like a monster. It's just fantastic. It's fantastic. I, t- I tell you what, Lee. Root um, of it all, the song is the most important thing. Hundred percent, brother. I totally agree with you. There's one thing you've done. Did you say you've done eleven albums? Yeah, eleven studio albums, uh, two DVDs, I think three live albums, and that's in my solo career, and five albums with Wolf Spain, and two live albums. Incredible, bro! I, 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 and there could be another five, six, ten albums. How many? The energy you've got, Blaze, is unreal. I did, I had no idea, brother. Um, it's well, infectious. Because- that what an insult! Oh, so oh, so you're jumping around on stage? Oh, oh, well, Blaze has a guy here. Look at him; he's just standing still. Just standing oh, still. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about festival. You want to do that festival, right? I'm talking about. You must have met people, Blaze, right? Who are completely <laughs> different while they are on stage. Oh yeah, but you're well, not. That's what I'm saying. Well, so the fact- uh, have you ever have you ever heard of a band back in the day called Dokken? No. Oh, yeah, probably. T- I mean, you lads, uh, probably me. So it's an old glam band, anyway. And uh, <clears throat> and it was when I was doing my first Wolfsbane album, and uh, they were really popular at the time. They had two platinum albums. That was, but that was record sales back then. You know, you could do that, and. Uh, and metal was big, and they were hard rock. And they did a great album called Tooth and Claw. And uh, I, I went into the studio one day, and uh, the singer Don Dockin was there. This is Los Angeles at the world-famous Sound City Studios. And the, the singer was there, you know, with his 80s hair and his bandana. Lovely bloke, lovely, lovely bloke. And he goes... 
Hey, Blaze. Again. Oh, hello, Don. How you doing? He goes, I guess what you're doing? He goes, ah, oh, I'm just patching up some vocals, man. Do you want some champagne? <laughs> what? Hey, not like you lads on your stout and your beer. Champagne, yeah. mate, in the studio there in the eighties. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah, but he was exactly the same on stage. So kind of misses your point. I suppose the biggest thing for me, yeah. Um, I, I won't name names because it's just not fair. But in <laughs> in Wolf Spain, right? I mean, we're just Wolf. We're we're, we're known as Wolf Spain the friendly because as we're driving down the road in the van, we wave at everybody. Uh, it don't matter who they are, and people go, "Who's that? Who's that van full of heavy metal lads there waving?" And they wave back, and they don't know. So we don't. We've always done it. Just wave at random people. And um, what what happens in Wolfsbane, we never really reached the potential that we felt we should because we just never had the touring in Europe. Mm. We toured the UK in the van and we were the biggest unsigned metal band in the UK. We sold out shows all over the UK, little gigs, but we never got to do that in Europe. And we went, um, <laughs> we had uh, a support tour towards the end of all Spain uh, the first time around, a support tour. And the manager said, oh, I'm, I've got you a support tour in Europe and I've got you a little tour bus and all this. Oh, great. And um, so <laughs> we're in the dressing room, right? And we're Wolf Spain. We're just glad to be out of Tamworth. We're glad to be on the road, man. It's like, we don't even care that we're not on stage. We're glad we're in a dressing room. Yeah, yeah. So we're not at home in our bedrooms. We're in a dressing room. We're going to do a gig. We're just like this all of the time. And uh, we start start singing together and all of this. And uh, bloody hell. Tour manager comes in from the main band, and this is exactly what it says. Will you lads keep it down? You're not here to enjoy yourself. (laughs) 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 What the fuck are we here? (laughs) And that, you would never have guessed from the performance of that band on stage that there'd be such miserable people. You know, it was nothing about having a good time. It's Okay, I mean, yeah, I understand we're quite annoying and all of that, but really, (laughs) you're not here to have a good time. So that was it, man. That's been the the support band. (laughs) The only point that was making was (laughs) (laughs) how much energy you have and life and the fact that I didn't know that you're you're that personality... Off stage. And, well, um, I'll tell you and what happens is that uh, <laughs> we've, done, we've done gigs in the past. I mean, with my own, especially with my, uh, I'm a solo project, and especially since I've been working with Chris Appleton and the rest of the guys, um, that we'll do, we'll do gigs and you'll see people like at festivals and things like this. 
And you go, how old are they? And it's like, well, that bloke can't be more than 25. And he makes me look like I'm fucking 15. Because it's just nothing so serious. You know, yeah. and then we go on and we're absolutely crazy, annihilate the place. And, and I, thought, I thought, well, how come I'm such an old fart, but I'm running rings around all these young guys? Yeah. What's happened to their energy? Where's the yeah. passion? Where's the love of metal? You know, there's some of us that are consumed by this music, consumed by it. You know, we don't have a choice. It's like, you know, you try, try and stop doing it. There's no way to stop doing it. It's not a choice to stop doing it. You just you have to do it. You have to do it. And uh, I'm very lucky in my life that my fans, when things have been difficult, when I've been going through horrible things, my fans have said to me, I'm really looking forward to your next album. I didn't even have a record deal. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have a band. I had nothing. And fans said, I'm really looking forward to your next album. I can't wait to see what you do next. And you just... And people really believe. And then then you, I start believing again. I think, yeah. well, maybe yeah. I could. And then Chris Appleton said to me, I was only doing acoustic gigs at the time, um, and odd special appearances here and there. And Chris Appleton said, if you ever want to try again with a full metal band, give me a call. I'd really like to to try it. I'd like to come on that journey. And a couple of months later, I thought, well, I want to do an anniversary tour. Um, and got in touch. And we've been working with each other ever since. And... You know, Chris Appleton and the guys from Absolver, they've got that same amount of passion. Mm. Same amount of passion. On the new album, War Within Me, there's a song called 18 Flights. And it's about an earthquake, right? Smoke on the Water. You may have heard of that by Deep Purple. Yeah, That's yeah. shit compared to our song, 18 Flights, right? Because that was about a bit of fire and smoke floating across the lake. We were in an actual earthquake, yeah? So we've got, it's called Blaze Fest. It's in Kokimbo. It's at the seaside, right? Yeah. And the, the, the guy there, he's put Blaze Fest on the, oh, man. And he, you think, and all the local bands are there. Great big light thing, and all wonderful sound. No expense spared. Every single detail of the rider is in the dressing room. It's absolutely fantastic. But beautiful weather outside, you know. But we're, we're in a hall, but it's all art. Oh, just absolutely fantastic. Meet and greet before the gig. Sign for all the fans. Everything going great. Get on the stage. Do you know, and, and things are going really well, and they're doing the lights the way we want, and everything like that. And then, fifth song in, it comes into it's a song called Escape Velocity, and halfway through, we're going to the halftime. And we're going to the halftime, and stage is shaking. And we think, bloody hell, this is weird, isn't it? Well, I suppose, you know, with the halftime, maybe so. And then the fans are running away. 
I'll tell you what, man, in that split second where you see your own fans not leaving but running out of the building, you know something's wrong. Yeah. And the next thing, the lights go out and the promoters at the side of the stage go, Blaze, come on, we've got to leave. And he's like, everything's blacked out. And behind me, I can hear. And it's like, there's Martin McNee. In pitch black, no one on stage, still playing. <laughs> Martin, it's an earthquake, come on! And luckily, I always carry a good quality torch with me. So I was able to find the way out. Then you get the text message. Tsunami warning, go to higher ground. We're 10 metres from the sea! Oh my god. Ten meters from the sea. And I, so anyway, they managed to get us in a van, get us oh man. About four hours later we come back down and bits have fallen off the building into the street. You know, luckily the power's back on. And <laughs> about ten fans turned up four hours later and they said, uh, Blaze, are you gonna finish the gig? <laughs> <laughs> Not this year, no. <laughs> so oh, we opened Kimbo the second half of the gig, you know. So if we ever get back there, man, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And so, I, so we the the, uh, the promoter said to me, "Oh, will you write a song about this?" I thought, "Well, I have written a song about gigs in the past." And then you've got, you know, Saxon. Uh, long arm of the law and other couple, you know, with bands played on, and uh, and then you've got smoke on the water. And I'm like, you know what? We'll do that. And then I couldn't think about what the lyric or the melody. You know, it's like I go, earthquake. Yeah, we were in an earthquake. I'm like, ah, it's not quite got it. You know. And I said to, uh, I said to, I said to Chris, I said that tour. I said, how many flights did we do? He said. It's 18 flights in 15 days. And there we got it. 18 flights in 15 days. And if we had it, man, and that's it. And then we were in and it it come together. And it's just, it's the most fun song on the album that, you know, all the songs I'm really proud of, but that's the one. It's just a smile, man. That one. Absolutely fantastic. Please, you've been an absolutely incredible guest. Yeah. Um, all, all the comments there from our Crow family watching, just saying what an inspiration, what an incredibly energetic guy. You're so passionate, brother. I had no idea, and I'm so glad we had you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, and please tell everybody about my new album, War Within Me. Please tell everybody it's wonderful, and if you don't like it, please lie to everyone. <laughs> actually when when can we get that album it's april the 9th the single is on itunes and uh yeah the single's out now on uh normal digital platform spotify yeah uh Oh, slip my slip my mind, but yeah, you can get the single now, um, and you can pre-order the album. You can go to blazebailey.net and pre-order the album and get this. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Vinyl at the same time as a CD. Oh, yeah, coming out. We had it there, man. The manager said, you can have vinyl at the same time as a CD. Oh! Goes, right. But it's got to be old school. You get one disc, 44 minutes. I'm going, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. <laughs> and then we've got it up on the whiteboard there. Side A. Oh, side um, B. Oh, man, I'm 14 again. And it's like, yeah. oh, what's going to be the end of side one? Oh, what are we going to start? Side two. Oh, just fantastic, man. A challenge, but delicious. Absolutely delicious. And then adding up the time almost every day, going, right, how many seconds is it? Oh, oh, no, we're getting over the 44. No, 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 we're bringing it in. Oh, what can we cut out? No, no, no. So uh, it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's going on the bottom of the screen there, guys. You can see it. The new Blaze Bailey album, War Within Me, available April 9th. Pre-order at www.blazebailey.net. Go get it. We viewed it. It's banging. It's vinyl and CD that you can get. Incredible. Blaze, thank you so much for your time. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully we'll... um, We'll see you in November at Planet Rockstock, um, where we might even meet you dressed as robots and present you with a bottle of champagne. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, are you playing it, are you? Are you doing yes. a gig? Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, well, if there's any problems with getting there, if you have any problems there, it's because of me, so I could get extra time for my set. Right. Okay. So when you're stuck in the van, when things break down, you can't get there. Go. This is a bastard that we interviewed. He stuck the van. He sabotaged the van. And I'm on stage with my lads. I'll be. I'll be going. Right, lads. Five more songs in the set. Thanks for the crow boys. (laughs) It's our bloody doctor's fault. Doctor Blaze (laughs) Bailey. Ah, thank you, Blaze. Oh, thank you, guys. I wish you the very, very best of luck. So sorry I couldn't tell you about that mirror thing before the video. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you the best, though, mate. I wish you the best. Take care. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Cheers. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!